Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in alongside us here today. Um, you can always find us at pathtozion.com in case you don't know. Um, of course, here on our YouTube channel. And pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com is the place to send us an email. Any kind of correspondence, questions, um, confrontations, uh, it is all welcome there. Should you want to reach out to us, that's the way to do so. And of course, you know, Facebook is a way to do that as well. It's an easy way to exchange messages. Now, the last series that we did, which was titled Humility in a Chariot, I really enjoyed talking about that. It's one of my favorite topics, um, the, the necessity of the brethren, the need for us to, to have others in our life and, and constantly put out the message for anyone who's willing to talk about it, about the warning of the go-it-alone gospel. And just the, the, the limited vantage points and opinions and doctrinal considerations we'll have when, when we just fly solo. And it's just this me and Jesus reality. And, and we, all of us, I, no one is excluded from this. If we have no others in our life, we will have one-dimensional beliefs and experiences and understanding. Because we read through our own understanding and that's where it always remains. Now, we may read a book or do a Bible study here and there, of course, that might help give us some extra vantage points that aren't our own. But generally, as I shared in that series, all of us fall to depending upon what we already believe. And we often seek out things that just constantly reinforce what we already believe. Um, and so I said in that series, if you've not watched it, I would encourage you to go do so. Using the Bible, uh, <laughs> using the Bible as our textbook to show us example after example of individuals who looked at another brother and said, you know what? I just don't understand. I'm lacking. As I'm always saying, I in myself am deficient. Well, it sounds to me like you're uh, neglecting what the Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Yes, friend. And guess what? Sometimes he will use another human being to speak what the, the oracles of Yahweh are, are saying. Because that's what we see, and then we'll move into today. That's what we see with Philip and the eunuch. <laughs> Holy Spirit guides a man, guides a man, intersection. And then Holy Spirit teaches all things to another brother. Through a brother. It's a beautiful thing. Obviously, I like to talk about it because I'm about to do it all over again. Now, today, probably going to be two parts. I have to, I'm going to try not to talk like a lightning bolt fast because I don't have much time uh, this morning to do this. Um, but I titled this Angels, Sandals, and Deliverance. Well, that's a strange title. Angels, Sandals, and Deliverance. And this is a, a topical comparison of Passover in Acts chapter 12. Now, I have to give you some setup of how I landed here. Um, but I, before, I, I didn't even make a note, but thankfully I remembered. Um, two days ago, we went over to Roanoke, Virginia, and and we got to see uh, Shiloh Ben-Hod and, and uh, a group of, of individuals from Israel that are traveling uh, in the U.S. right now. Uh, Solu, and it's a, it's a, they're just great people. You know, a lot of times, well, that's a good band, or that's a good 
uh, teaching ministry or that's a great preacher evangelist. This is about something that's just different than that. This is just a group of humble individuals from Israel who are are just they've been doing a prayer uh, like a house of prayer movement for years, but the fathers just really shifted them into some different gears. And I just encourage you to look into them. Um, they're just they're people I wish I could get to know. I mean, I told my wife just yesterday, I'm like, man, I wish we could just move to Israel and join in with what they're doing. Um, but we will be a part of it the best we can from from here where we sit. Uh, but we got to spend some more time with them. If you've followed the program for very long, about a year ago to the day, um, we were able to meet Shiloh and do an interview that landed here on the program. You can go look for that if you'd like. It's about a year old now. Um, they were over in Knoxville, Tennessee that day. Um, but anyway, I wanted to mention that we got to see them again and hear a little bit of an update of, of just what, what the Father's doing there, through them, around them, amongst them. And I'm just so encouraged. And so I want to direct anybody else who may not know about them. It's, it's messianic music for the most part, but becoming much more than that. Um, but look into, uh, we'll link or something to it here so you know where to go to keep it simple. Um, but anyway, back to today, Angels, Sandals, and Deliverance. A Comparison of Passover in Acts chapter 12. And I was doing some somewhat casual reading of, of the middle parts of Acts. Um, and I stopped and I just had kind of a, a hmm moment. <laughs> um, as I was arriving at, at the goings-on, the events of, of chapter 12 specifically. And and I took notice, of course, of, of just of, of how our lives are, are positioned now and, and still adding so many things towards feasts and Sabbath understanding. Um, but I was, of course, very intrigued at the timing. And, of course, we know these accounts. We've read them, most of us, our whole lives. We've heard messages on them. We've, we've, these aren't new in the sense of the, the entire story, if you will. But a lot of the intricacies, as the Bible is always doing, are sometimes illuminated to us at different times of going through these texts. And so for me, just two days ago, or yesterday, I've lost track. Um, I, I just, it stood out to me that, that Peter's arrest in Acts chapter 12 was taking place during the, the time, the season. And here we are again, we go back to the, the, the proper understanding of seasons, the Moed, the Moedim that were set in place in Genesis at creation. This was the cyclical calendar timeline that fell between, or within, we'll say, the days of unleavened bread. And, and we're going to read some text here in a minute. Passover and unleavened bread are just right here on the timeline of when Peter is being arrested um, in Acts chapter 12. And so I began to have some, some wonderings in my mind about this as I'm reading through the text. And again, I was not reading for like study purposes. I've got two other studies I'm doing, but this was just some reading I was doing. And I, by the time I got to 12 and I read about Days of Unleavened Bread and I read about um, Passover, and, you know, in my mind as I'm reading, I'm just like, hmm, you know, okay, every detail we're told matters. And then I got to <laughs> the, the mention of the word sandals. And something in me, this is just so awesome when we're reading the Word of God and if we're reading according to what the Spirit is saying and not just for knowledge or, you know, it is what it is. It's it's living and active, you know. Um, but I got to this word sandals, <laughs> um, and I thought I've got to pull. I've got to pull over and take take some more time looking into this and just 
doing what I do, because um, people do ask, and we've talked about that a little bit, I've had the opportunity in person, and we haven't done that actually on a program yet, of like, how do you study the Bible? And like, how do you get to a place where you land there by just reading this? And, and friends, this is the only way I know how to explain it is there's something in my innermost being that reads a text and just stops. I feel a, a press to just stop, like I said, to pull over and consider and meditate and pray and say, all right, Father, show me. There's something here. We know that the Bible is full of these layers of understanding. Okay, there's just something here for me. What are you saying? And, and so I did that. And, and as, I, as I did that from that point on, I started to see these interesting parallels between Acts chapter 12 and unleavened bread, Passover, okay? Um, Passover specifically. And so I'm trying to think of what to even, <laughs> where to even start. I guess we'll just read a little bit of Acts chapter 12. I've got some notes, but, but this is very loose today. Um, and I don't want to forget this, but I'm going to skip over it and, and we'll start because the conclusion of chapter 11 is of utmost importance, but we'll get to that as well. So, so let's just lay a, a quick groundwork. Um, so Herod is persecuting the called-out assembly. He is he's aggressively pursuing um, followers of the way, capital W, um, in order to mistreat them, is what one version says. Um, he has James, the brother of John, put to death. Um, and and this, this excited those who were opposing the message of Yeshua being the prophesied Messiah. And... And, and Herod liked this. He liked, he liked the accolades that this apparently brought to him um, by having James put to death. And it continues on in, in verse 3. He proceeded, he, Herod, proceeded to arrest Peter also. And we are told right clearly in every, every um, version you can read that I, that I know of. Now, this was during the days of unleavened bread. Okay, this is of utmost importance when this took place. For, for the, our context today. Uh, verse 4, And when he, he, Herod, had seized Peter, he put him in prison. He was delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. Now, now here, here's a big rift within like belief systems, doctrinal approaches, like this, this uh, Pesach. Should it be... Passover, should it be Easter? KJV says Easter, which is, is I'm not even going to touch that one today. Um, but like the, the, the order, the timeline seems like if you know anything about the feast, like, okay, what exactly is this saying? Because we're in the days of unleavened bread that, that come on the other side of Passover, but it seems by a quick read that Herod is in, in the midst of unleavened bread, he's waiting for Passover to bring Peter out before the people. So here, here comes this question about, and there's so many commentaries and opinion that we're not going to get into today, but I have to mention it because some people will know this and wonder where, where I stand with it. Where I stand with it right now is it's not relevant to the text I'm presenting. And it would be a big distraction and uh, uh, a sidebar that's just unnecessary for what I'm going to talk about today. But it is something that's interesting to talk about. Um, I have some I have some personal thoughts and commentary towards it, but you know we can talk about that another day. If I know you personally, we can maybe engage about it. Um, 
but let's stick to the text about what I'm presenting today, just for clarity's sake. 16 individuals, 16 soldiers are, are positioned to watch Peter. So Peter was definitely seen as someone who was a nuisance and, and, and somebody who really needed some attention, which is something we often see in, in these uh, New Testament accounts of, of these individuals who are uh, preaching the full gospel of, of Yeshua Messiah coming and fulfilling all the prophesied things in Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and um, even in the Psalms, of course. And wow, <laughs> such opposition. Um, and we won't get into that either, but it's worth noting. And so uh, verse 5 of, of Acts chapter 12, Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the call that assembly to Yahweh. And on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Okay, so again, let's use just real-life imagery. Peter, a man like you and I, is being guarded by 16 soldiers, and he's just asleep, probably on the floor, I don't know, in between two soldiers. He's bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. So 16 soldiers, he's asleep in between two of them. In verse 7, behold, an angel of Yahweh Elohim suddenly appeared, and the light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side. I like that. That's just kind of funny. Hey! <laughs> he roused him from his slumber and said, Get up quickly. <laughs> End quote. That's it. Get up quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. Verse 8. And the angel said to Peter, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And right here, this is where I was just to make this point. This is where I was in verse 8 when I'm already, a couple verses previous when I'm told about unleavened bread and Passover. That, that, that gear of thought started churning. That spiritual gear started moving. But when I got to verse 8, okay, get out the laptop, time, <laughs> time to go. And when I read, gird yourself and put on your sandals, Passover, Passover. And when is this taking place? Unleavened bread, Passover. It's wonderful. It's, it, the word of God gives me chills. <laughs> and it continues on. Okay. So the angel speaking to Peter, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so, of course. Peter was a pretty good model of like, boom, instant obedience just like Philip and these other men. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel to Peter. Verse 9, And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was even real. He thought he was possibly seeing a vision. And again, get this into your mind now. This is what's taking place in a real-life individual so many years ago. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Verse 11, when Peter came to himself, <laughs> yeah, might take a minute, he said, now I know for sure that Yahweh, my Elohim, has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that those who were persecuting Messiah were expecting. 
And when he had realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And then he gets into the servant girl. He knocks on the door. She sees him, and in her excitement, she slams the door and runs back to tell everybody. It's a hilarious account. I love that. And she, she tells them that he's there. They're like, no way. Are you joking? And sure enough, there he was. And so let's talk about some things here for just a moment. Um, I didn't even mark this, but I'm going to skip back to Exodus 12. Because if I'm not careful, this will be another one that takes three hours. So I'm trying my best to do more concise videos lately. Um, okay, so 12. Exodus 12. Uh, let's just look at 11. Okay, so so just to be clear, all right, we, we just read this in Acts 12. This is what the, the angel speaks to Peter. Okay, he appears. Bright light is right beside him. And he says this. Gird yourself and put on your sandals, Peter. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Okay? In other words, I'm here to bring you deliverance, Peter. Do these things, and Peter did. Okay, so now we go back to uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. All right, and we know that Moses is, is communing with Yahweh. Verse 11 says, Now you shall eat it in this manner, the, the Passover lamb. With your loins girded, and with sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and eat it in haste. This is Yahweh's Pesach, his Passover. And I'm going to go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land, man and beast, and against all the little E Elohim of Egypt. And I will execute judgments, for I am Yahweh Elohim. The blood on the doorpost, of course shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. All right, so let's just talk about a couple things that I find fascinating here for a few moments. Okay, and, and, and I don't think this is a stretch. This seems very, very simple to me when we use the text alone. And so we see... Acts 12 is taking place again during the days of unleavened bread, right around Passover. And then we just went back to Leviticus 11, of course, or 12 rather. Um, Leviticus. Exodus 12. And it, is, of course, is talking about the origination, if you will, of Passover. And the instructions are, are extremely similar, are they not? Okay? It's, I love this stuff. It's, it's just fascinating to me. So... So the angel says to Peter, gird yourself and put on your sandals, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Your deliverance is coming, Peter. Exodus chapter 12, eat the Passover meal with your loins girded and your sandals on your feet. Okay, so we see two natural things that needed to be done in preparation for a supernatural event that was about to take place. Please listen to what I'm saying because that's really what's within this. Reading the Bible and just reading it and maybe extrapolating a little bit about it is awesome. It's incredible. And it is a, a, a step, if you will, of what we can, how we can handle it and how we can appropriate it. Yes. But I, am, I, I love that. And that's fine. But I like to do that and then move it over here and then move it right here. Okay. 
Well, what is this saying to me? Father, what is this saying to us? What is this saying to your called out assembly today? Especially those of us who are still memorializing, remembering, keeping days of unleavened bread, Passover, Pesach. We're still doing these things just like Father intended so many years ago. And thereby, we enter into the eternal covenant promises buried within it because we're joining ourselves, covenant, covenant, new covenant. We're joining ourselves with the covenant creator who, for his people, again, to use this, the blood on the doorpost was a sign between Yahweh and his people. That's the same sign as Sabbath. It shall be what? A sign. Okay? The Moedim. They are signs and seasons. The, the, the greater light, the lesser light. The, the luminaries, stars. They are signs for Yahweh's people as, as markers between the Creator and His set-apart, consecrated, holy people. And so we who are joined with that, and those of you, perhaps many people watch the program, are, are at least considering joining themselves into the ancient way understanding. This is part of why. We now, that, that's, what's, that's the Gentile goyim reality, the, the thing that's just like awe-inspiring that should, for the rest of our days, that's, that is what the gospel is. The capital G gospel, the full gospel, is what we were told, that we... Gentile goyim ways of the nation ones have been invited into the the covenant of the eternal father through the act of the son. That is the new covenant. Now now we can become a people that we were not before. It's, It's incredible. But back to our text specifically, in Acts chapter 12, an angel appears alongside this light that illuminates the cell Peter was in, and the angel hits Peter on the side. Hey, get up, Peter, (laughs) wakes him up and says, get up. And there is this merging of of natural action meeting supernatural activity, okay? And I want to really highlight that um, because, again, as I just started to make a point and got a little bit sidetracked. We, this has to have practical application for us. Okay, so, all right, Joel, but what do I do with that? Well, that's the whole crux of this that we will get to. Gird yourself and put on your sandals. Again, natural preparations. We saw that, we really saw that in the Passover account in Exodus chapter 12. Do this, do this, do this. I talked with someone just yesterday about the the... The wonderings about what about those, perhaps even Israelites, and and of course Egyptians, who just thought this was foolishness. Okay, so I'm supposed to kill this lamb, and I'm supposed to dip that into its blood, and I'm supposed to paint that all over my door? And that will save me? That will deliver me? Are you kidding me? Why in the world? Now, Now, of course, they understood imagery more so than we would from where we're looking. Our vantage point is so far removed that it's insanely ridiculous for us to consider. But I have to believe that there were some, of course, Egyptians on the outside of Yahweh's people, and perhaps even those in the camp of his people, who just thought, this is a little too outlandish for me. Really? I really can't go out till morning? I can't even, like, go check? 
And that's the severity of the instruction of our fathers. Like, you better go in, do this, do this, go in, close the door, lock it, and don't come out. And by the way, get dressed, put on your sandals, and eat that meal because what? Your deliverance is coming. Your deliverance is coming. So we talk about angels, sandals, and deliverance. Yahweh will even prepare his people for what he is about to do by instructing them towards natural means. Natural means. Okay? Some imagery. Exodus chapter 12, 13, and 27. And again, I'm, I kind of made these notes in just a couple hours, so it's, it, it, it will hopefully be good and <laughs> not wrong. Okay, so we read about the blood being the sign. Um... For, for you on the houses where you live. And when Yahweh sees the blood, he's going to pass over. And uh, 27. Uh, when you tell your children, you know, he's talking talk about all this um, in the reasoning. That you shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to Yahweh Elohim, who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but he spared our homes. The people bowed low. And they worshipped. And, and that, well, this, I have to go back to 25. and Well, in 24, and 23, and 22. <laughs> uh, but 24, you shall observe this event, Passover, as an ordinance for you and your children forever. Again, we want the blessings of Israel. The Christian church is always quoting things in Psalms. Always. And in many, many other places. Oh, look at our inheritance, our inheritance, our inheritance, our inheritance. In Jesus, our inheritance. <laughs> Does a child get to choose his inheritance that his father leads him, leaves him? No, he didn't leave me that. Oh, but I want that. I want the Mercedes, but I don't want the home that requires me to, to keep it and to maintain it and to clean it and to repair it. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I want this inheritance, but I don't want that. Covenantally speaking, friend, when the Father gave his children this inheritance, you get it all. You get it all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There, there's a breakdown there. So to stick to the text, specifically verse 25 of Exodus chapter 12, And it will come about when you enter the land which Yahweh will give you as he has promised, that you shall observe this right, this feast, this service, okay, Passover, unleavened bread, and it will come about when your children say to you, what does this mean to you? You tell them. This is a constant remembrance of deliverance of those who obeyed Shema, heard and obeyed. Fathers, perfect counsel, instruction, and commands, and thereby, when we did we were delivered. We were spared. And before that, we listened to the word of the Lord come through Moses who said what? Put your clothes on, son. Tie up those sandals. Eat this meal and be ready to go at any minute. And then, of course, here we are with Peter as well in Acts chapter 12. What? Peter, wake up. Put on your clothes. Wrap yourself in your cloak. Put on your sandals. We're about to leave. You're about to be delivered. 
So in the in the Ex- Exodus 12, we see prote- protection, deliverance. The blood was both spiritual and natural. It was supernatural and natural, both. And this is how Yahweh works with his people. I love it. Acts chapter 12, both were fully aware that Yahweh had been their deliverer. Uh, 12.11, when Peter came to himself, now I know for sure that Yahweh has sent forth his angel. He has rescued me from the hand of Herod and from those who were pursuing me that were expecting him to be, be murdered. Okay? Both, both accounts, the, the children of Israel at Passover in Exodus and Peter himself in Acts chapter 12, both were fully aware who their deliverer was. Exodus 6, 6. I don't have time to go through all these. This is going to take a long time. Exodus 6, 6. There's a connection there, too, because there's a promise made. You're going to be delivered. You're going to be freed. You're going to be brought out of this place. And when the Father gives a, 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 a promise, the promise is a done deal, friend. If, if the other side of the covenant-keeping people... He's the covenant instiller, and he's a perfect covenant keeper. If we, the covenant people, do what is our part, it is an absolute sure thing. A covenant means nothing if the other side, the other party, doesn't keep their part, right? I mean, we can understand that even in just simple modern terms. If 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 an individual makes a covenant, a contract with a loan officer at a bank. That loan is only good in continuing to perform its function when the, the, the one who holds the title of the covenant and the one who is paying towards the covenant contract, only when those two parties both honor their side is the original contract good, valid. <laughs> you don't pay on a car, friend. They're coming to get the car. And if we think that, that here in New Covenant we have no responsibility or no requirement upon us to do our part of receiving the covenantal blessings from the perfect covenant instilling um, Elohim, we really have a breakdown of, of what we are even a part of. Okay, We're not just mere recipients sitting back and like, yeah, whatever, just bring me everything. Do we need to read the account of the prodigal son and the bastard son who is at home with his feet kicked up saying, hey, father, you never gave me that. You never fixed a meal like that for me. I've been here the whole time. Yeah, well, that's great, son, but how about you get off your butt and go do something? (laughs) Anyway, that's a distraction for sure. (laughs) So here we are back to Acts chapter 12. We're going to bring part one to a close here. Part two will probably be short. So here we are um, in Acts chapter 12. We're, we're about 14 or 15 years on the other side of, of Yeshua's ascension. Roughly. I'm no Bible scholar, but that's the best I can tell. In Acts chapter 12, they're continuing to remember unleavened bread and Passover. Okay? 15 years, 14 at the least, after Yeshua has come and gone, ascended, Holy Spirit's come down, Acts chapter 2. They're still gathering in prayer. And why are they gathering in prayer? In this sense, you got to look at it in the proper context. This is a this is a this is the Moedim in action. 
They're gathering together for the days of unleavened bread and Passover. And then, then we even see they're, they're gathered together in a home and they're praying. As we know in Acts chapter 12, this is a permanent ordinance for my people, is what Yahweh said. Many were gathered together and were praying in Acts 12, 12. And so I, I'm saying that I don't believe this is all happenstance. We, we, we need to understand, to bring part one to a conclusion here, we need to understand that Yahweh's people, on the other side of Yeshua Messiah coming and fulfilling everything he was here to accomplish and ascending and sending Holy Spirit at, at Pentecost, people were still gathering and eternally memorializing Passover, Pesach, days of unleavened bread. Okay? We don't see Peter, like, going and annihilating the, the mishandling of what was past, the old stuff. This is just, this is used as just telling you, hey, friend, while all this is going on and Peter's having this incredible encounter with an angel, and while these supernatural things that are happening in the New Testament church, oh yeah, by the way, it's still the days of unleavened bread. It's still Pesach, Passover. And they're still keeping the Moedim. And they're still gathering together in prayer. Talking about the works of Messiah. Talking about the incredible accounts of the power of Holy Spirit blowing through the nations and calling out the Jew and calling out the Gentile. And they probably were saying, as I always say, they were probably like, we are living in the days of Ezekiel's prophecies. This is what the law and the prophets spoke about. Oh my gosh, we're here. Huh. Man, they had some reason to get together and to pray and to rejoice and to grow and to grow and to grow. So we're going to move into uh, part two here in just a minute. As we talk about angels, sandals, and deliverance, a comparison of Passover in Acts chapter 12. And I'm just going to make a couple more highlights and then basically just culminate in a very short challenge to us um, about what I believe the Spirit is saying to us through this text. In this exact hour, 2022, we're already on the halfway point. We're moving down towards conclusion. Incredible. I hope this is encouraging you. It is me. Um, so we'll come back for part two after this. This is the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Go to pathdesign.com for the audio-only messages. Subscribe on the channel if you would like to get more content kind of along the same stream of what we talk about here. Um, and reach out to us at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be right back for part two. Thank you so much for watching. Amen.